Welcome to the Finance Cafe podcast, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, Shannon Peston and Shauna Frederick every week as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them to answer all those questions you have about the numbers and maybe some you haven't even thought of yet. With their combined experience in business, finance, and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know that financial management is more than just understanding the numbers, but understanding how our unique lived experiences, knowledge, thoughts, and behaviors around money shape the financial decisions we make in our companies. Here on the Finance Cafe podcast, presented by Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, we're changing the way we talk about business and finance, empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light one conversation at a time. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe. I'm your host, Shauna Frederick, and today we're diving into another uncomfortable conversation. And why do I say that right off the bat? Because we know that for many women, talking about death, talking about money, and creating that will can sometimes be conversations that we simply don't want to have. So I'm excited today because we are going to have this conversation and we are going to share some tips with you, our listeners, on how you can get started, right? Because sometimes that's all we need. We need that little bit of, just a little bit of push or what's that first step that I can take? And I'm excited to be joined today by Alicia Toe, a senior tax, estate, and financial planner with Richardson Wealth's Vancouver office. With over 10 years' experience in the investment industry, Alicia provides clients with comprehensive wealth services, including expert insight on tax, intergenerational wealth transfer, philanthropy, business succession, continuity planning, and estate planning. Alicia holds specialized designations in financial planning, family enterprise advisory, estate planning, and risk management. Wow. With that experience, I can't wait for you to share your tips on estate planning with our audience. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alicia. Thanks so much for the wonderful introduction, Shauna. So Alicia, we've been sharing some stats back and forth with respect to, in particular, the number of women without wills in Canada. And just this past weekend, the Globe and Mail released an Angus Reid report that talked about the number of women without wills in Canada and the challenge that comes along with that, in particular because many women outlive their spouses. So now their spouses are passing away without a will. They don't have a will. So what are you seeing in your industry with respect to the number of women without wills? So... According to a 2019 Canadian Financial Capability Survey, approximately 55% of Canadians have created a will and 40% have established powers of attorney as part of their estate planning. Typically, we see this decrease dramatically for Canadians under the age of 35, primarily because of the challenge of starting and initiating an estate plan with only 22% having a will. On the other hand, Canadians age 65 and above face the challenge of ensuring that their estate plans are current. While the vast majority of Canadians in this age group have wills, which is 95%, over half have not been updated. So with regards to the Angus Reid Institute study on women, we see that women are noticeably less likely than men to say that they have a will in place, which is 46% versus 53%. 
and are nearly twice as likely to point out the legal costs associated with writing one as the main reason why. Interesting, interesting, interesting where we go back to the the money piece about, okay, so the cost of doing so. So we're going to talk about some cost-effective ways of doing that. And interesting also that it was, I think you said 22% of Canadians under the age of 35 have a will. And I suspect that's because they come to this this idea that, well, I don't have assets or I don't have children or I don't have a spouse that I don't need a will. Is that what you're finding? Exactly. Uh, We see that, uh, according to statistics, 25% say that they're too young to worry about it. Or and 23% say that I don't have any assets to worry about. And, you know, other reasons include they don't want to think about dying or it's too time consuming to get a will or it's too expensive to get a will written. Interesting. And I love that you brought back in the piece of the asset because for our entrepreneurs listening out there, you're going, okay, this is a business podcast. Why are we talking about wills? For all of our entrepreneurs, for everyone out there, you're an entrepreneur though, you have a business, you have an asset. Have you ever asked yourself, what's going to happen to my business if I pass away? So this is why we're tying this conversation into our business podcast, but it's important for all Canadians to establish a will. Let's start with the basics, because I think for many entrepreneurs, we think, okay, this will, it's just this big, arduous process. I don't even know what to do. So let's start with the basics. What is a will? (laughs) That's a great question. So a will is a very important tool for estate planning. It is a legal document that outlines a person's testamentary wishes and instructs as to how assets are to be distributed at death. It also allows an individual to appoint an executor who will be responsible for carrying out instructions in the will, paying off any debts owed by the person, and distributing the remaining assets to beneficiaries named in the will. Okay, interesting. So you said a couple key key things there. So outlines a person's testamentary wishes. So is that can we just put that in in English terms and say it's a person's wishes? Is that a fair exactly. perfect? And then you talked about this. So we're now adding in these executors, trustees, beneficiaries. So first of all, so I create my will. What is an executor or a trustee? So an executor and trustee can be used interchangeably sometimes because typically they are the same person that's designated. An executor is a person or entity designated in a will to carry out the instructions of the testator, which is the willmaker. And the executor is responsible for managing the testator's estate, uh, so paying outstanding debts and so forth, as I had mentioned earlier. A trustee, on the other hand, is a person or entity responsible for managing a trust on behalf of the beneficiaries named in the trust. So sometimes you can establish a testamentary trust within your will, and this basically appoints a trustee who's responsible for managing the trust assets, making investment decisions, paying any sort of expenses related to the trust, and distributing the trust assets to beneficiaries according to the terms of the trust document. Okay, so we have the executor who they should hopefully know where your will is, and they are responsible for carrying out your wishes. So and when we think back, even just the wishes on, you know, how our assets are distributed at death, it also, correct me if I'm wrong, talks about what we wish to happen to our body, our funeral arrangements, that type of stuff, so that the individual, our executor knows, do we want a funeral? Do we want to be cremated? Is that correct? 
Exactly. It would typically have that included in a will. I always recommend to clients that they have this conversation with their executor and family members or anybody before, long before that happens, because sometimes you'll see that funeral arrangements happen before a will is read or before an executor even looks at the will. So having those arrangements, I guess, communicated beforehand is always good to do. Right. And this is where a lot of us, present company, myself included, it's an uncomfortable conversation. But from my own experience dealing with the passing of my father, I'm grateful that we had those conversations in advance. And there's still, it's so interesting. And I know that everyone that I can talk to will have sort of the same, the same feeling about they wish they would have asked one more question. So we knew what he wanted at his funeral arrangements. But the one question, which is so foolish that I didn't ask was I didn't ask him what type of flowers he wanted at his funeral. So simple. And I know it's just so, it it seems so minor, but these are questions that as you start having the conversation, not only are you start planning for this, but you start learning a little bit more about the individuals that you love and care about. So important conversations, yet difficult conversations. And Alicia, I know that you have a story that you may want to share with respect to even your own parents. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny that we talked about this earlier, and I was just thinking about it this morning. So in different types of cultures, I come from an Asian background, but I was born in Canada. So I kind of understand both concepts uh, of different cultures. In, In some Asian cultures, talking about death, is considered as bad luck. Um, In a lot of Asian cultures, we don't talk about problems. We don't talk about anything shameful. Everything is kind of hidden down. And uh, I remember trying to talk to my parents about their estate plans. um, And that's very, I guess, shameful for a child to be asking their parents. It was construed, you know, possibly in the wrong way. And it was quite embarrassing for me because I do this for a living and my parents don't even have an estate plan or a will done. Um, I, I wasn't telling them that I should do it for them, but really urging them to get, you know, legal and professional advice. And, you know, they ran a business or they still run a business. Uh, I have two siblings. We don't all get along. And so just explaining, you know, what could happen at death and, you know, what you're leaving behind. It's not really an asset you're leaving behind. You're really leaving behind family conflict. And mm-hmm. this really spurred the conversation. And I guess as an advisor, it also taught me how to talk to clients of different cultural backgrounds. You know, as a FEA, we learn to be asking open questions and and with different types of clients and cultures, sometimes you actually have to ask very leading questions to really have them open up and have that conversation with you. So it's taught me a lot of things as an advisor as well. Absolutely. And Alicia, you mentioned the term FEA. So Alicia and I went through the Family Enterprise Advisory Program together, which is where we met. And it is so important for advisors to ask specific questions to get an understanding. But even for individuals, as you're starting down this process, and we're going to get into, you know, some of the tips on how to start, but it's it's just starting to ask with the basic questions. Right. Just start with the very basics and then go from there, because it doesn't have to be as complicated as sometimes we can make it out to be. So I kind of got us derailed. Let's let's go back to when we're talking about the will. We talked about the importance of an executor or trustee. And then you mentioned this term beneficiary. So what is a beneficiary in your will? 
Yeah, that's a great question. There's a couple of other terms I wanted to talk about. Uh, so a beneficiary is a person or entity named in a will or trust or other legal document that is entitled to receive assets or property from the estate or trust. So this can include individuals or charities. I also wanted to bring up the term guardian because you won't see that in a lot of different estate plans depending on age. But if you have young children, a guardian is a very important person to appoint in the context of estate planning. A guardian is named in the will as a person appointed to care for and make decisions on behalf of a minor child. The guardian is responsible for making decisions related to a person's care, including medical care, education, and other important decisions. And there is a huge caveat here uh, that I wanted to mention. A guardian will only be able to manage assets on behalf of a minor child where those assets are passing through an estate. So an issue I often see is parents designating registered assets or life insurance proceeds to a minor child where these assets pass outside of the estate and are not managed by the guardian appointed in their will. And in these cases, proceeds will be received by the public guardian and trustee, where they will be held on behalf of the minor child and distributed at the child's legal age of majority, which is 18 or 19, depending on jurisdiction. So just imagine, you know, all of your wealth going to an 18 or 19 year old with no sort of trust or any sort of measures in place and how, you know, traumatic that could be as a, as a young teenager as well. Okay. So what I'm, what I'm hearing is if, the child is, say, 12 years old when the parents pass away and there's, we'll call it a million dollars worth of assets, the child will automatically get that in some cases at the age of 18 without any guidance on how to then, you know, live with this newfound asset. Yes, this is what happens when assets are directed to beneficiaries that are outside of your state, uh, and they're not dictated by the terms of your will or trust or anything like that. So a lot of, I find, individuals, they like to do a lot of probate planning where they try to ensure that assets do not pass through their estate so that they don't have to pay probate fees. And sometimes this planning can be you know, damaging in other ways, uh, such as that example I mentioned. So it's important to really sit down with legal professionals and estate planners to understand, you know, the different tax implications and, and wealth transfer implications that could happen by doing a lot of probate planning or any sort of tax minimization planning. Okay, great, great conversation. We're going to get into the individuals that we need to support us when we get into the tips. So hold that thought. I want to go back to, so we have the executor, the trustee, the beneficiaries, and the guardian. So going back to the executor, the executor is the person that's going to basically play out your wishes upon death based on your how you've documented it in your will. So what are some things to consider when selecting an executor? Because I think for many of us, we would automatically defer to our spouse or perhaps a sibling. Um, what are some things that that individuals should consider when selecting an executor? That is a really great question because choosing an executor for your state is such an important decision as this person will be responsible for managing your affairs after death and some consideration to keep in mind when selecting an executor would be, you know, trustworthiness. Do you trust this person? They will have access to your personal and financial information. 
their availability as well. So it's important to choose someone who is willing and able to take on the responsibility of being executor. You know, sometimes I often see clients, they appoint their adult children and they never had that conversation with with them, asking them, you know, do you want this job? And this job could be very time consuming and complex. So you should really choose someone who has the time and willingness to see it through. Another consideration would be financial knowledge. So your executor will need to understand complex financial and tax matters. It's important to choose someone with a good understanding of that or, or has the ability to consult with financial or legal professionals when needed. Take a look at their relationship to the beneficiaries. So uh, someone that is impartial and fair, even if they are a beneficiary themselves, you know, it's important to choose someone who can put personal feelings aside and make decisions that are in the best interest of all beneficiaries. Also consider age and health. Your executor should be someone who is likely to outlive you. So it's important to choose someone that is younger and in good health. There's a, a funny saying I don't know if you've ever heard of this, Shauna, but my executor's executor is my executor. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. And, and break that down then. What is that telling us? That is telling us that if your executor is in the process of administering your estate and suddenly passes away, then their executor becomes your executor. So it's those are really important considerations when you're thinking about choosing someone who is of, you know, a young age and good health, or even consider appointing a trust company that will definitely outlive you. Very interesting. And I love, I just want to touch on the, on the children. Cause I didn't, I, I didn't mention that when I, when I brought this up because the children are so important. And I know for many, sometimes it defaults to the oldest child. And again, going back to the considerations that you want to look at, what are the, you know, because all of us have, have a different emotional mindset, a different <laughs> perspective, different experience. So is the oldest child the best to do it? Or as you mentioned, is going outside to get an external company, which we'll talk about in order to manage this for you. Because when someone passes away, the emotional feelings that come along with it can be very traumatizing. So having that individual responsible for then handling all of this other stuff, is that something that they are willing to take on? Exactly. I agree with you on that. Most people default to their children, their adult children. And, you know, oftentimes they don't understand the complexity involved and the emotional aspect as well. Of when your parent just passes away, it can be traumatizing. It can be, you know, a very difficult time to navigate and having to do the executor role on top of all of that is a very big job. And the executor just you know, not only, you know, distributes your assets, they have to ensure that the trash is taken out, that the doors are locked, that the cats are fed. Um, there's so many different, you know, duties of an executor during this process. And going through it during a particularly emotional time can be very challenging. Right. And it's also looking back to, so I want to appoint an executor, should I tell them that I've appointed them as, as an executor? Should I ask them if they would like to be an executor of my will? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you imagine if someone appointed you as executor and you had no idea and one day you're just notified of this person's death and suddenly you have to drop your entire life and not only consider all the roles and duties and responsibilities in place. And it's it's actually a lot more difficult to resign as executor or renounce your executorship than you may think. You know, it, it actually takes going to the courts and filling out a form and applying for that. So having that conversation ahead of time will avoid any of this grief and extra steps that executor must take to renounce. Okay, so great tip. So four people that you need to consider just as you're even thinking about your will, your executor, your trustee, the beneficiaries, and a guardian if you have minor children. Exactly. Another couple of considerations that I wanted to mention when selecting an executor is also look at their location. So it could be really helpful to choose an executor who lives in the same jurisdiction as you, as this can make it easier to manage your affairs. So for example, if you had an adult child that you were designating as executor, they live in Toronto, you live in Vancouver, you know, think about the length of time it takes to distribute assets and settle an estate. Sometimes it could take several months to years and the flights back and forth, disrupting their life, hotels that they'd have to stay in, you know, applying to court for probate and, and talking to beneficiaries. It's a lot of work. And so it could be a lot more helpful if you choose an executor who lives in the same jurisdiction as you. And the importance of that also, which you've alluded to, is because the laws are different in each province. Is that correct? Exactly. The Wills and Estates Succession Act is different in every single province. Within Canada, it's okay. It's not too, too bad in terms of the variance. However, where you can find problems is if you have an executor that lives in the U.S. or another country, um, the central management and control of an estate, which is where the executor or trustee resides, can determine the tax residency of the estate. So you may find yourself in a situation where your Canadian estate is subject to U.S. tax rules, uh, which can be very challenging. Oh, wow. And the importance when we get into the tips of what professionals you should engage with. No, Alicia, I just want to go back because you've thrown out the term probate a couple times. Can you explain high level what probate is? So probate is just the process uh, of administering your estate. So it's the court grants probate saying that, okay, this is valid. This is your last will and testament. The executor, you were named as executor. You're allowed to start distributing assets. So in order to get the grant of probate, there's typically a fee involved. It varies by jurisdiction and province. Uh, Some are based on a percentage. Some are based on a flat fee. And so this grant of probate will just allow the executor to start distributing assets without taking on personal liability if they weren't going by the last will or last testament or anything like that. Okay, excellent. So we've talked about the will piece. So Alicia, what's the difference between an estate plan and a will? And do I need both? I would recommend both. At minimum, you should have a will, but an estate plan typically includes a will. It may also include other documents and strategies that will help manage an individual's assets during their lifetime and after death. Since our listeners are mostly business owners, it can include a lot of other things. And so an estate plan is recommended in addition to a will. So 
I mentioned a will is a legal document that specifies how an individual's assets will be distributed after death, typically names an executor and so forth. However, a will alone may not be sufficient to meet all of an individual's estate planning needs. It may include other documents such as, such as a trust, which can provide more flexibility and control over distribution of assets, especially if, if an estate is complex or involves significant assets. Uh, it could help minimize estate taxes, avoid probate, which is mentioned earlier. And other important components of a state plan may include powers of attorney, which designate someone to make financial decisions or a representation agreement. It's also called a healthcare directive or a living will in some provinces, which is a legal document that provides for medical decisions on the individual's behalf if they were to become incapacitated. And in addition to incapacity planning, estate plans may include business succession and continuity planning, uh, philanthropy and legacy planning, risk management as it relates to life insurance and tax planning as well. So an estate plan is that add-on to your will. So you have your will, here's here's the basics. But so is your will only if you if you pass away, whereas your estate plan can talk about if I get sick, if I end up in a coma, who is going to look after my business, look after my children, take care of my financial needs? Is that correct? Yes, it does. An estate plan really encompasses more of a holistic view, whereas a will is just that document that will direct those assets and ex appoint, appoint an executor and guardian and so forth. Um, so an estate plan will encompass so much more than what a will does. Okay, excellent, excellent information. We always look at the why here at the Finance Cafe. Why do I need to look at my financial statements? Why do I need to understand what this is telling me? So Alicia, why do I need a will? What happens if I die without a will? Uh, that is also a great question. Oftentimes, this is especially coming from my parents. My dad literally told me, I'm dead. So why do I care if I have a will? You know, everything will just pass to my spouse and then you guys, it's all good. <laughs> um, so while it is true that you will not be around to experience the consequences of dying without a will, you know, your loved ones will. Uh, not having a will can cause unnecessary stress, confusion, disputes amongst family members during an already difficult time. It also means that the laws of your province will dictate how your estate is distributed, and this may not align with your personal wishes or intentions. And what if I have young children and I die without a will? Exactly. So that is another important aspect to consider. Although, you know, provincial laws will dictate how your assets are distributed to those children, um, you may not want young children having, you know, a million dollars of assets, you know, at death, depending on your intestate laws or provincial laws, which means when you die without a will. And what about your business? So if I don't have a proper will in place as a business owner, what happens to my business? Exactly. Um, so typically when you die without a will, the courts will appoint an executor or a personal representative to distribute your assets. So it may not be the person that you want to be distributing your assets. Things to consider when you own a business is, you know, who's going to collect on revenues? How will employees be dealt with? How about intellectual property rights that could be sold? You know, how is the executor going to wind up the business? What if you have a business partner? So these things are very important to consider and could be outlined in your will as to, you know, how to manage those problems that you may come into when you own a business and you die without a will. Oh, Alicia, such great information. So let's get into some tips for our listeners. 
we've talked about a lot of people. Who are the key people in your life that you should bring into this process when you're starting to talk about creating your will? There are many key people that you should bring into the conversation, and that will depend on life stage as well. So if you have a spouse or common-law partner, so if you're married or you're in a domestic partnership, your spouse or partner is likely to be one of the most important people to be involved in the estate planning process. They might be a beneficiary of your estate. They might be the executor, they, and they should really be aware of your wishes for how your assets should be distributed after death. If you have children, depending on their age and maturity level, you may want to discuss your wishes and with them and involve them in some decision-making process. A funny kind of side story, notice I once dealt with a client who whose estate was being litigated and hundreds of thousands of dollars were spent in legal fees because the family was fighting over a board game. And it wasn't just, it wasn't a special edition collector's item board game. It didn't have much monetary value. It was something like Monopoly or something that you get from from the local grocery store or something. Mm -hmm. I I forgot. But, um, and it just had so much sentimental value to the kids. And sometimes that's worth more than actual dollar value. So just having that discussion with your your kids on, you know, do you even want this asset? Um, You know, how should it be divided? And controlling the conversation while you're alive and creating that harmony will deter a lot of stress after you're gone. So having that conversation with your kids can be very important. If you have a business partner, um, talking to them about your estate planning process, especially if you have shared business assets, you may want to discuss your wishes for how your share of the business should be distributed and ensure that your partners are aware of any arrangements you have made and any other trusted friends and family members. So if you have other friends and family members that are part of the estate planning process, particularly if they're named as executors, guardians or beneficiaries of your estate plan, they they can provide valuable support and guidance throughout the process as well. Mm, so important. So I think about that statistic where, you know, only 22% of Canadians under the age of 35 have a will. They may not have children, but they, they would likely have, you know, a property, a condo, maybe something like that, you know, assets like a vehicle. And they've probably also started building their retirement nest egg. And then they're also likely in that stage of dealing with their parents' estates and, you know, what their parents' wishes are, where they think, okay, well, it's not important for me. But at any point in time, unfortunately, something can happen. So just because we're we're not married with kids doesn't mean that we shouldn't be thinking about taking this first step to bring in, you know, the people that we care about most to say, okay, here's what I would like to happen. So we've talked about the people in our lives that we know that we should bring in. What about the professionals that we should engage with when starting this process? Yes, that is also very important. And that will really help launch the first few steps. So the first, I would say, are your financial advisors. So your financial advisor, investment advisor, and particularly because this is a neat little trick that I'll share with you, is that you could actually just ask your financial advisor or investment advisor at any bank or independent wealth management firm that manages your assets to have access to a financial and estate planner. And you may not be aware that this is available. It's typically a service that's offered to higher net worth clients. However, it should be a complimentary service to any client if you ask for it. 
And although some firms may charge, it is 100% worth it. An estate planner will help you tie everything together and work with all the professional advisors that you'd want to engage with, such as your estate lawyer, tax advisor, life insurance agent, business lawyer, trust company, etc. And they will help you understand your estate plan so you're better equipped to have these conversations with family members and professionals involved. I love that tip, Alicia, because... A, it can at least start the conversation and even get you thinking about, okay, what do I need to think about in terms of, you know, starting my will? And it's for no fee or should be for minimal fee. And once you can start gathering that information and thinking about your questions, then you can take the next steps into some of the other professionals that you're going to talk about. Exactly. It's really funny because I, as an estate planner at a wealth management firm, I often ask clients, you know, do you have a will? And they say yes. And the next question I always ask is, do you understand your will? Do you understand your estate plan? And most of the time, the answer is no. They don't understand what they have in their will, or they'll tell me, you know, this is what I intend to happen. And I read their will and I'm like, well, this is not what your will says. (laughs) So often there's that confusion as to understanding their will and their estate plan. Such an interesting question. Yes, I have one. Do I understand it? No. Right. So again, going back to this, having these uncomfortable conversations and making sure that, you know, this is high level what I want to happen. Is that what my what my will says? And that's why it's so important that, you know, women entrepreneurs have people like you, Alicia, that they can go to Well, you'll you'll have those conversations and you'll ask those questions. And I bet the other question that you often ask is if they say, yes, they have one is when was it last updated? (laughs) Yes. And typically it was, you know, before my kids were born or, you know, when my kids were young and their kids no longer need guardians or they're way over the age of majority. And so last updated at least 10 plus years ago. And how often should individuals update their will, Alicia? I think it's always recommended to review your will and estate plans every three to five years and to make changes accordingly if you have any material changes during those times. Mm, so smart. So going back to the professionals, because I got us off track again. So you talked about the financial advisors, and that can simply be your bank. So walking into your bank and saying... I'm wondering if there's any, you know, support that you can provide me with respect to estate planning. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, You talked about your, I think you talked about your tax advisor and your accountant. Yes. So accountant or tax advisor, they can assist you in planning for taxes and minimizing the impact of taxes to your estate. They could also identify strategies to minimize taxes that may be incurred on your assets at the time of death. Your estate lawyer, of course, is very important to help you create a comprehensive estate plan or unless you're working with a estate planner. They can also help ensure that your estate plan is legally valid and up to date. I did mention a life insurance agent to really consider if you need to fund any sort of buy-sell agreements for your business, ensuring liquidity to pay for estate tax liability, to ensure that your loved ones are taken care of, that you have enough to provide for them as well, to take care of any debts and so forth. 
Another professional that you may wish to engage with is a business lawyer. So as a a woman entrepreneur, it's important to involve a business lawyer to help plan for succession of your business in the event of your death. They can assist you in creating a continuity plan, um, which outlines how your business will be managed and owned after your death. Um, Possibly even a trust company if you are considering who's going to be your executor or trustee um, and you don't have many great options or you don't have options that are willing and able to be your executor or trustee, a trust company is a great uh, great resource to have. Um, They can act as an impartial third party to distribute your assets according to your wishes and they will always outlive you, which is a good thing. One last piece of advice about the types of professionals you hire, hire professionals that who could relate to you. So choose people that you're comfortable with, referrals from other women, surrounding yourself with professionals that can explain things to your needs and that you where you understand what they're talking about as well. Alicia, that is such important advice because this is a con- this is a conversation that many of us don't want to have, first of all. And now okay. we're having it with a complete stranger. So you want to be able to to build that relationship and to be able to have a conversation and for both of you to ask questions to ensure that your needs are met, but more importantly, that the advisor that you're working with understands what you're looking for in terms of this is how I want my, my will to be laid out. And many of us don't know what we want it to be, how we want it to be laid out. So it's important that we start just having the conversation, sitting down. As you mentioned, we can start with the bank, sitting down with somebody to say, okay, where do I even start? What is my first step in terms of, do I create a list of my assets? Do I create a list of people that I want to be involved? Do I, right? So where would you, where do you suggest the first step for your clients to start? I would suggest sitting down with, you know, family members or people you you think that would be included in your estate plans and having discussions with them, you know, having a list of your assets, liabilities, and assets can include, you know, business assets, it can can include personal assets, it can also include digital assets as well, which we we often forget about. Um, So that's an important consideration when you're thinking about assets and liabilities and so forth. I love that you've brought in the digital assets. So when you say digital assets, that is everything that we have online. And I know the two of us had this conversation about something as simple as air miles, which is now probably going away, but your air miles account, (laughs) just these little, you know, you think of every whether it's social media or online banking or anything that we do online, we have this digital trace with all of this information. Who has those login credentials? Who can access it? Yes, those are very important questions to ask yourself. And I talk a lot about this and I advise other you know, woman on this. However, I'm probably the worst at this. I I think I have probably 500 passwords that are all by face ID and I have no idea what they are. So that is definitely next on my list as a project to tackle of all of my online logins and to put that in a safe place where my executor will know how to access these accounts to close them at death. So for example, social media accounts, online banking, we all have Netflix subscriptions that will keep building 
filing every month unless your executor is able to close these accounts. So they'll need to have access to all the passwords and account information. So much to think about, Alicia, and and you've given our listeners such a great starting point, which is let's start by sitting down with our family members and having a discussion. Alicia, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to share with our listeners? Well, Shauna, you could ask me so many more questions about estate planning and we could talk for hours on end. <laughs> so I'll, I'll cap it there, but I'm always available if anybody has any further questions. Always happy to talk. Alicia, where can our listeners get in touch with you? I would say probably the best way would be through LinkedIn. I'm most active on there. So feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn or send me an in-mail message. I'm always checking and always happy to respond. And we will put all of your all of your details in the show notes. I just want to recap um, some of the highlights with what you shared with us. And we joked about this that, you know, we had all of this content and we were going to try and keep it under 40 minutes. I think we were pretty close. <laughs> it is, it's a it's a big topic. And we've only touched the surface. So we encourage you to reach out to Alicia, reach out to your bank, start having the conversation. The key people that you need to think about bringing in your your friends or your family that are going to be involved in this process, determining who your executor is, who is going to carry out the instructions, who are your beneficiaries, who are you going to leave these assets to, ensuring that you have a shareholder agreement, a succession and continuity plan in place for your business. If you are in business with somebody else, this is so key because at any point something can happen to you or your partner, and then you could be in business with their partner. (laughs) So uh, important conversations to have. And Alicia, we so appreciate, we are going to share in the show notes, you have left us with a number of articles and starting points where individuals can go just to get that thought process started to start asking some questions that you can then take to your professional to say, okay, I am ready to take this first step because we know that a part of our growth and a part of our strength comes from facing the uncomfortable. So having these conversations will only allow us to grow and get stronger over time. So Alicia, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your experience and your expertise and your stories. Uh, We will share your contact information in our show notes. And to our listeners, thank you again for tuning in and we will see you same time, same place next week. Thank you for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. And to ensure you never miss a new episode, make sure you subscribe to the show. If you'd like to stay connected with us, you can find us on social at The Finance Cafe Official or on our website at thefinancecafe.ca. See you again next week for another episode of The Finance Cafe Podcast.